This is Elsie Fisher and Bo Burnham talking about eighth grade. When I was writing it, I was sort of coming to terms with the fact that I had anxiety and I was putting a name on it. In the way it's personal, it's about my current experience much more than my 13-year-old experience. Um, I sort of look at the world and go and the culture and go like, what is happening? You know, and I was able to just with someone else say, do you know what's happening? And then we can kind of both look and, <laughs> and shrug out into the universe. A lot of stories made, at least for this age, are, you know, very big, like Harry Potter or something, where people think it's escapism for the kids. I actually think it's realism for the kids because it feels like walking over across the hallway and talking to your crush feels literally like going to slay a big snake dragon or something. So a lot of these movies about, you know, kids dying, or I love you, but I have lupus, or whatever the movies are, you know what I mean? And it's like, they have to be so big to make the kids, you know, to, to, to make the emotions of a kid feel true. It was like, can you, can you portray, can you sink the audience's heart rate in hers? Because if that's happening, it doesn't matter what the situations are like. It doesn't matter if in theory that situation is very small and silly. Kayla's experience is very reflective of my own because I think this is a good portrayal of like what the internet is. It's not always smiles or obsessing on emojis. Yeah, yeah. It's its own thing. Yeah. It's not bad or good. It's both. That's at least my experience with it. Yeah, I would um, say like the things about the internet that are targeted towards kids that try to portray the internet feel to me like a McDonald's commercial where it's like, I'll have a Big Mac. And it's like, yeah. oh my God. I mean, it's like so pandery yeah. and, yeah. and tone deaf. And this is required watching, where we watch the essential films from a list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. Danny Taverner. And I'm Trey Epps, and today we're talking about Eighth Grade, starring Elsie Fisher, uh, written and directed by Bo Burnham in his first narrative turn. This movie is about an introverted teenage girl who tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. Dan, this is... I think week two or three of our breakout before breakout movies. And I had to have chosen this one. I had to mainly because you and I had, had only briefly mentioned that we watched Bo Burnham special inside. And I like to, I like to think that in terms of what we do in a podcast, this movie is the thing that allowed Bo Burnham to be shown to wider audiences than the co comedy nerds or the YouTube nerds. Mm -hmm. And, and having seen, having seen eighth grade and not known much about, uh, and we'll talk about what I knew about Bo Burnham in a minute, but not, ha I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I'm a comedy nerd, but I'm definitely not a YouTube nerd, nerd in that way where I knew everything about Bo, Bo Burnham or seen any of his specials actually until I saw Inside. But I remember when 8th Grade came out, I wrote, not, I didn't write anything, but I, 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 I read the script for 8th Grade, and I thought it was really interesting to watch this man give this voice to teenagers in what felt like a very, being a teenage boy at some point, felt very genuine and relatable to me. So, so yeah, I, I think in terms of what we're doing, people know him from so many other things, but... This is the movie that that certainly allowed for Inside to eventually reach what I only imagine is is a critical mass in terms of his his audience. Yeah, it was. It's weird how surprising it is to see a movie that so accurately portrays being in like middle school, high school age, because presumably everyone's been there, and it's extremely yeah. relatable. 
and yet somehow it's so foreign to see such an accurate representation which like did you did studio people forget like how <laughs> I, I i think it's like i think it's like peter pan syndrome of like <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just you just stop believing that teenagers yeah. exist and then suddenly we, we we just don't believe that they exist anymore like it's it's and refreshing anything. it's it's definitely refreshing to see like oh yeah that's how teenagers talk and interact with each other and feel about the world around them but on the flip side to that it's weird that that's so uncommon in movies because it's such a relatable experience yeah which doesn't make sense. Have you, have you seen this movie before? Like when it came mm, out? Or? Never. No. No, your first time. All right. Well, before we dive into it, let's, let's have a quick break. If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, Dan, I've got some fun facts for you. Let's hear So they started filming one week after Elsie Fisher graduated uh, eighth grade. It's one week, so she's method acting straight, straight up. <laughs> she she dug deep through her experiences and and began doing doing this movie on Jimmy Kimmel. Bo Burnham revealed that. So sorry, I'm reading the same fact over again. But here we go. The acne on Elsie Fisher's face was real, um, and it's something that she talks about in interviews. How people still wanted to see her with acne, which I thought was very weird. Um, yeah, uh, she wore very little makeup and was supportive of of Bo's choice to make her look imperfect. Uh, and I, I think, and I think it's really interesting. I, I, I do think, yeah, anyways, lastly, lastly, this is Obama's, one of Obama's favorite movies of 2018, which I think is a really good recommendation from, uh, from a president. Like if a president mm-hmm. as cool as Obama is saying, one of my favorite movies of the year, that's fucking phenomenal. I wonder what Trump's favorite movie that year was. <laughs> do you think it was um, Team America? Uh, <laughs> like, excuse me, sir, that came out 20 years ago. <laughs> So you and I, before we get into like deep, deep, uh, dive deeper, you and I were just talking about our our friend who didn't know who Bo Burnham was. Friend of the um, show. Friend of the show, to have some of them. Putting his full government on blast. And uh, like I said, I I knew of Bo because of eighth grade. I have I've definitely seen some of his YouTube videos because I think, how could you not have? Like I looked back in prep for this and those, those videos have like, 20 million views on oh, the youtube that like i remember his game. early youtube days and his old specials and i didn't realize how not mainstream he was i guess or how, how niche his fan base was for a couple years there but he also like directed a chris rock special like <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold the phone. <laughs> he directed Tambourine. He did. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he directed Tambourine. But I think that was off the back of, not maybe not off the back of this, but that was after this came out. Not before oh, it, it, right? Am I drunk? 
God damn it, Trey. But that's what I mean. In, like, that's what I mean in terms of, in terms of like breaking out. Like, like Chris Rock is not letting Internet Kid Bo Burnham direct his. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I could be wrong. I'm looking it up now. All right, after. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So I, I again, here's what I think happened. Right, early YouTube days, we have Bo Burnham being a funny I, I, what i think is funny especially at the time when i was a child being funny on the piano making these videos then like that video just gets passed around and i think he was in that fir- like th- that bubble of youtube stars that first iteration of youtube stars because mm-hmm. he was everywhere but you go to his yeah. youtube and there's like five videos from them that all have like 20 million views and then he starts doing specials uh and again, like YouTube and comedy nerds kind of like boast you up and, and keep you going. And, I, and I, I think I think rightly so. I did watch. So this is after I watched Inside and watch how the wordplay and the, 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 the genius of, you know, his musical comedy. And I, I, I am a fan of musical comedy, like like really like a lot. I watched it kind of just take a really big hit when I, I watched. I was in the middle of one of his specials and like the N word was used. And I was like hold on what and like I, I, it was one of his earlier ones where where i just think it was like quite unrefined like especially mm. when you watch it compared to in, like to inside i was like this, like this is really unrefined this is someone who's really finding their feet he, he must have been so so young um and it was good it was i think it was still very quippy and smart but like the, just like the n-word kind of like really like i was like oh i, I don't know if i can support this mm. but then i went back to inside and I was, oh, so, you know, he has a song about talking about how he's, you know, just, he, he, he wants to redeem himself and all this stuff, right? And I was like, oh, that's what he's referring to. He's referring to, like, all this growing up that he's done. But, yeah, he's got away with it with music and, and, and just being able to share a message in a, in a very compelling way that I, I really enjoy. I think it's also interesting to see not only the accurate representation of kids, like we were saying, but also to see like the new generation represented. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like kids change, <laughs> like they're not the same. It's not the same high school experience that you and I had or that I think, generations before us had. I, I think that's when you say, when you say, do people forget about being a kid? I think this is why we don't get it because when we were a kid and now like, and then you flash forward 10, 15, 20 years when we have power, Right, like, the, the, like the, the what kids are doing has completely changed, and we don't understand, yeah. and we don't. Yeah, to and then it, it's, and then I, it I seems out of touch because it's like, right. hey, things aren't things have progressed <laughs> since you've been in middle school. Right, I and, and I and I really enjoyed this film. Let me just get to my notes here. I upon listening to the interviews before I, I put I rewatched it. There was just a lot of talk about it being a horror film, and I was like, "Oh, like that was it, that was the anxiousness that I was feeling during my first watch of this film, like in in theaters." Was I was really anxious, and that's because I felt like everything was coming to an end, and it was like for Kayla, it was it was coming to an end. Like middle school is a big deal, and especially when you're when you're in middle school, middle school is a big deal. So to watch to watch like what what felt like every it's like anticipation was being built and like all this tension was being built. And I think as an audience member, we felt it because we lived it. So it was like almost like this muscle memory of like all of our awkward experiences kind of like coming mm-hmm. back up like that PTSD. So it made me feel really happy to, to see that because anxiety, I, I'm happy to see anxiety versus angst 
I, I, mm. I wouldn't have cared for, for Kayla if she was an angsty girl. And like she is in, at times, but she's like, we can acknowledge that she's a, a, an eighth grader who is trying to get through social anxiety. And we never call it social anxiety throughout the entire thing. But this girl has an issue with communicating with her peers, which is why she's doing this YouTube. Like this YouTube video was like, her YouTube videos were so heartbreaking to me. Cause I was like, I get it. I, I get this. Yeah. I used to like have a journal and, and like be all moody and whatnot in, in, in middle school. And I used to be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to write down my, my thoughts, my feelings. And I felt, I don't remember what it was, but it felt very similar to like this video journal that she's like essentially keeping herself, even if it is meant for the masses who aren't even clicking on it. Also the fact that she and or kids in her generation feel the need to be on the internet. Or like, hey, I right, I, sh- right. I should make a vlog and start a YouTube channel because that's what everyone is doing. Like, that's the thing. That's like right. the overwhelmingly common thing to do. Someone, someone told me this uh, statistic that said like 30% of kids in like... I'm screwing up. It was like two grades. I think it was like fifth and sixth or something like that. Thirty uh, percent of kids wanted to be a YouTube a YouTube star, and like, like the next the next one after that was like teacher. So like, but like in terms of like the things that we know, we know school, yeah. right? And when we know like the internet, that that wasn't a thing when we when you and I were growing up. Like it, it was happening, but it wasn't our world. We, we didn't grow up. Like for us, it was TV stars, like, you know, comedians getting on TV and TV coming mm-hmm. to movies. And for us, it was, like, that was much more the deal than people randomly on the internet becoming huge. And I have, I have, I have uh, contempt in my body for people who are not good actors. I have contempt for people who, like companies who don't allow performers, uh, who don't hire people unless they have a certain like internet following. I have mm-hmm. like, like just just people who just people who have like it, it becomes a thing we have to do much more than a thing we want to do, right? Like, and we have to we we we, we as a society validate ourselves based on the followers and the likes and everything else, even if it's an, an insignificant way. And that's ins- it's insane to me. Sorry. Have you seen <laughs> Euphoria? <laughs> yes, great show. It's so funny to see the difference in the representation of like this current generation, because while I'm sure Euphoria has some accurate points, it was clearly like hyper dramatized and salacious. Yeah. My, my, but, my life was way like way oh, less yeah. like euphoria <laughs> but it's so funny how like great. the in both of them things stand out that are familiar but also that are so unfamiliar because right. it's a different generation i forget where i was going with this <laughs> i'm sorry I, I cut you off and i apologize no it's um, just interesting to like, see the difference in portrayals of this current Gen Z growing up in in, I, I, in the, the, the media and yeah. very much online world. I don't think we get just going back to something that you said before. I remember when we had we had teen dramas. Like remember, remember like the CW had teen dramas like mm-hmm. essentially every night for, and, it, and it had this like 
wide variety of, of lives being led, you know, like not everyone was best friends with their mom, but Gilmore Girls was a hit because we all understood, you know, like One Tree Hill was a thing. It still is a thing. And I think, I, I think, we, we, I think it's me who bring up rom-coms and broad comedies and stuff like that. But I, I think there was a time where we were very much in touch with who we are. And now if at all possible, and if this at all makes sense, it, in terms of what we make, it becomes more and more commercialized and corporate than ever before. So we don't get to see the, that kind of, those kinds of relationships and those kinds of stories and that kind of representation the same way. I have no problem with, I'm not a woman, so I, I can't speak for all women. I have no problem with Bo Burnham telling the story of a teenage girl because it's not about, it, it, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be about the fact that she's a girl, but the fact that she is a girl makes it more powerful mm. because of what it says about, I guess, what we what we do as a society and a culture. Like, I, I love, a change that I, I love seeing compared to, like, this movie in anyone else's hands. And by the way, I think the interviews that you saw about this movie always consisted of Bo and Elsie. And I, I don't think that's, be, I, I think that was a protective nature of, like, Elsie's not going to do it. It's like she's, what, 15 at the time or whatever it is. Mm. She's not going to do these interviews alone, um, which is really interesting. Like, consider, was that Booksmart? Like, Booksmart, I'm pretty sure Olivia Wilde wasn't, you know, holding hands with uh, Binky Feinstein and, what's her face, Caitlin Dever. I'm not sure if that's a good movie, but I enjoy. I think I enjoyed it. What was my point? Oh, I, I, oh yeah. No, I don't know what my point is. I'm sorry. I, I started ranting. Oh no, sorry. The the she's watching a video of the crush that she has, and mm. I think if this were a different movie, she would have been in her room. The lights are out, right? Like it is, and she would have like masturbated. I think that's what we would have seen in any other movie, despite the girl's age or anything. Like they would have showed it in a quote unquote appropriate way. And that's what have mm-hmm. happened instead. And I think this is super smart instead. They have her kiss her hand, like kiss her arm and practice kissing on herself. And if you didn't do that when you were a kid, you knew someone who did. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I just think, I, I think that one simple thing is so honest and, and real and relatable than like what could have been, I guess the euphoria version, which would have been masturbation. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be so dramatic. So dramatic to the left to make this thing work. I don't know. I, I don't have any more notes, Dan. I'll, I'll be honest. I just wanted to rant about the movie for a bit <laughs> and our society. Yeah. I don't have notes either. I think, yeah, I think that's just, I think that's what this movie boils down to is the accuracy and the genuineness of how growing up is portrayed and how like they said in the in the clip you played even if something's not the end of the world it feels like the end of the world because contextually in relation to everything else that's going on it is to that person and i think i I think that's what we learn about writing right that's we learn about directing is that we're making everything you're always meant to be seeing this lens as like from this character's point of view. So, you know, it doesn't have to be superhero-esque, like the world is going to end and like the big bad is coming to destroy everything. But it is like, no, if this happens to you, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, uh, you're going to be seen as uncool. You're going to be seen mm-hmm. as this like piranha. You're going to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it is life or death for you. So I think that is a testament to, I think that is a testament to the, the, the writing and directing, which I guess is Bo. And then again, being able to see his growth, and I only talk about this for like 30 more seconds, but to be able to see his growth from this movie, just this movie to to inside, 
in terms of like our mission of like learning about filmmaking and how to move forward, he essentially said, Hey, I'm going to take this movie that is millions of dollars. Right. And I'm going to create a comedy special, which was essentially a film. And I don't like calling it a comedy, a comedy special because it feels kind of reductive in a, in a weird way, because it was like a fully produced hour and a half thing that told this kind of complete story of someone who is inside for lack of a better phrase. And and we, we got to see him really refine his his skills. Anyways, I'm done because I mean, otherwise also, it's going to turn into a conversation about... Yeah, we should inside. just do an episode on Inside. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, tying Inside to 8th grade, the same way that he captures what it's like to be an 8th grader and feel these things that you feel, he does the same with being quarantined for yeah. upwards of a year and the same emotions that I feel like we all felt at one point during the pandemic uh, and really kind of like captures that emotion of being there. I think, I think very much. I think he very much does that. Dan, what's your favorite song from inside? Do you know it off the top of your head? Oh, I like the all eyes on me. Oh, that's uh, that's a banger. Uh, and before I get there, hold on. Let, let, I, I skipped two things. Were there anything? Was there any like scene for for you that kind of like stood out, like scene stealers? And, I love the uh, just combine. Yeah, oh go yeah, on. yeah. No, no, no. What's the second part? I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I'll combine it with. If you could change one thing, what would you change? I really like the words. the pool party scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just like how things like that again could feel like oh shit this is make or break like this is the this is the big leagues of being at the popular kids party right and then like her calling her dad and being in the other room and just like making excuses for why you're not interacting and (laughs) just standing there and trying to make conversation with someone that you don't really know like right the whole that whole scene was so real Mm. if there's anything i could change i don't know i have a tough time with coming of age stories i think because they so easily can fall into like the same story because essentially they are yeah yeah i don't know what i would change I think I think my scene sealer is the same thing as the one thing I changed, which is why I combined it, which is the first date. Well, I'm calling it a date. It was like a friend date situation with that dude. Oh yeah, um, with the chicken nuggets. Yo, my man had her sauces laid out. That's the kind of friend you want. True gentleman. Uh, true. <laughs> and I think that kid is in uh, that TBS show. I think it's TBS. Chad, which is a great show, kind of in the Pen Fifteen esque uh, realm. I think it's really really good and really really funny. But I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up, Dan, by saying that I don't know if this is a required watching. I I I I think I do think Bo Burnham, and this is a long way of me saying this. I think Bo Burnham is a case study on what it is to be someone who is doing it all alone in terms of directing, in terms of writing, and as you can see elsewhere elsewhere outside of this movie, like performing. And I think that like we, I, I think he's. Well, this is not true, but I, I think he's a case of being one of the most recent people awarded, uh, at least at least nominated in, in some way, shape, or form in, in the Academy's eyes 
in this respect. I actually don't know where I was going with that. But I, I think people should be looking at this film as, as, as plays of execution and the script and seeing how those two things tie together because you can really see one cohesive vision. And I think, I think when one person's name is on the list, doesn't always mean that they're the only person involved, but I think it's a good place to, to look. And then if you couple, again, if you couple that with his other work specifically inside, you really get to see the work of a, I don't want to say genius, but I will say musical genius. What about you? Yeah. I also don't think it's required. Oh, sorry. I'm not sure if I said it. It doesn't, but yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think coming of age stories just as a genre are hard to say that they're required or not just because they're all telling pretty much the same story. So it's not really anything new. Although this movie had the context of Gen Z which we haven't really seen before. So it's unique in that sense. And just approaching it from a anxiety, like socially awkward, like having panic, like there's things in this that are very unique and specific. And while it's well done, I don't know if it's necessarily required. It is interesting to see though, that like the approach and the representation of newer generations and how it feels even if it's not his generation or our generation it still feels so familiar and so genuine because you can see the similarities across different years yeah it's a sweet movie but i don't think it's required Word. Listen, with that, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please rate and review us on iTunes. Of course, we will we will start to read these things on our episodes and, and give you guys a shout out. So please go ahead and do that and stay tuned as we will be doing a giveaway and it will be it'll be an act of appreciation and, and getting some people some love for, for listening to our show for so long because we haven't done a proper we haven't done a proper giveaway in, in a while. So let's do one of those now. Uh, listen, you can catch the show at Required Watch on Instagram and Twitter. You can catch me at Trey Epps on Twitter and Trey.Epps on Instagram. Dan, where you at? I'm at Danny Taverner everywhere. Word up. Until next time, guys, stay cool.